Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Every day, not just every week, every day, he is inundated probably with 25 new albums. Oh, man. Not songs, 25 new albums. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. You know what has occurred to me that I have not asked you since uh, the last time you sort of solidly co-hosted this show? We were sort of turning it into a thing Yeah. since we record this show on a Monday night. Okay. We ha- we used to ask each other what we were drinking. Yes, we did. You have a lady drink sitting over there. I and do. I have not asked you what your lady drink was. What are we drinking over there? What's well, it called? I call it key lime pie. Key lime pie, mm-hmm. which is looks like a glass, and you've shoved an entire uh, I don't know that's a straw, and what's it, what's it made of? It's got lime juice, and yes. then uh, ninety nine. Uh, what is the what is the liqueur? It's ninety nine whip. Yeah, ninety nine whip. Ninety nine whip. So that's supposed to be whip the, you in shape, right? That's supposed to be the uh, what is it? The the white cream on top of the or the uh, bottom. Uh, there's nothing white on the bottom of it a key is lime when you're pie. You're drinking this, apparently. Yeah, and I see you've also Woo! chosen in a white straw. Yes. So that's very nice. You need a slice of lime to go in there. Well, you have a little man drink over there as well. I do, a man drink over there. That's uh, that's whiskey and limeade because you had the lime stuff. I thought I would just go ahead and do the exact same thing. How is it? It's pretty good. The pink umbrella also helps it a little bit. Let's take a look at, and, and a lot of times what I will do is set off an entire show from an article that I read or an article that is sent to me. You've been reading again. I have been. I know as a, a kept man, I'm not supposed to be reading. You're picking up books again. I am picking up books. But I was sent an article to read. This one is from Brandon Gee of the Nashville Business Journal, who asked the question in his article of the same name. And, and by all means, go to the interweb, look it up. The name of the article is... Is it the worst time to be a musician in America? What do you think? Is yes, it the worst it is. time? You think so? Yeah, I do. Why, why do you personally think it's the worst time to be a musician in America? Because of the uncertainty of how they're paid. It, me too. I, that's I think the whole that's, concept. Yeah, I think it's a terrible time to be a musician. Right. When Napster came out, that was the big thing. The concept of stealing music and uh, Metallica, who became the poster children for this, they make too much money. Mm -hmm. The thing is, it's now past 
the Metallicas of the world. It's now past the Tom Petty's of the world. It's now past the major acts who have a gajillion dollars. Yeah. This has now trickle down economy, and this is the problem. Trickle down economy never seems to trickle down to the people who need it. Right. It trickles down to the people who are in trouble when it trickles down. Yeah, a whole lot of people in the middle in this, right? It has trickled down to those who really need the money, mm-hmm. but it it never trickles correctly. It trickles down to those that don't get paid. So a person who wishes to literally make a living doing this seems to not be able to get paid. That's not good. And this is what Brandon Gee is talking about. So I thought I would talk about what he said, and I then took his concepts, and I went and I looked at other uh, articles. I looked at other statistics, things like that. And yeah. I, I understand there's lies, there's damn lies, and there's statistics. But I thought I would look at what the world looks like for a person who decides, I'm going to be a musician. Oh, I like this. For my living. Uh huh. And I thought I would tell you about it. And if you're thinking about being a musician, kiddo, this is what you're up against. Oh. Do I want to know this? Let's take a look at it. All right. We'll start with some music. All the music is about being a pop star. So why not play pop star? It's the Pretenders here on Rockstar. Yeah. So your girlfriend wants to be a pop star and beat the charts out of me. Is that for me? Yeah, that's your bro, mine too. It's gone from Detroit. The whole thing's off, man. You put that through? Crash. You don't want to know what this man has to say. Coming out of the Pretenders here on Rock School. Now, I gave you the name Brandon Gee. It might also be pronounced G. Obviously, this is the interweb, so I have no idea. It might be Gee, it might be G, but uh-huh. you found it oh, inside yeah. of 20 seconds. Yes. Right. Once again, it's, is it the worst time to be a musician in America? And he offers the following reasons. Number one, the shift from music sales to concerts. And the emphasis on 360 deals in the music industry. Okay, what's that? Yeah, what is that? We're going to get to that, and it's going to be probably the meat of the show, what a 360 deal is. It wasn't called a 360 deal back in the 60s, but probably started with Motown. In fact, I'll use Motown as the beginning discussion of what a 360 deal is. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll get to that. A music insider was quoted in the publication Business Insider and stated, Sales comprise just 36% of the industry's revenue, down 60% from 2000. I think everybody understands the concept of about the only way to make any money today is to go ahead and tour. Right. And it used to be even the same way beforehand. The only way anyone would know you was tour, 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 tour. KISS was a, a sort of the model of this. Mm-hmm. They never left the road. Yeah. They pounded and pounded and pounded and pounded until they broke the door down. It's just that when KISS broke the door down, then they had the two streams of revenue. Yes. They could sell records and... Stuff. Right, and stuff. All yeah, kinds of stuff. because with them it's stuff. The thing was they also sold music. Today, let's say a band breaks down the door. The fact is they still only 
can make money touring because music does not mean anything. Music does not have any intrinsic value. And a little later on, I'm going to talk about another article that talks to a rap mogul who explains exactly what music is worth in today's society. And he tries to explain why music has zero intrinsic worth in society. I'm not feeling good about this. And this, I, is, this is bad. And I know what people are going to say. Well, I love music. Music means a lot to me. Well, yes, emotionally, music probably means a lot to you. But here's a question. When's the last time you spent money for music? I have some good, good, good friends, very good friends, and I remember talking to them. The new Keith Richards album is out. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Did you buy it? No, I streamed it on Spotify. How much did that cost you? Goose egg. Ooh. Money has, or pardon me, music has no intrinsic value. Mm. It's not the concept of a, an artist having two amounts of you know money coming in right. music and touring so how do you make your money you got a tour the problem with touring is this 360 deal okay joe you've now mentioned it twice yeah so what exactly is that well what do you say we get to it how about we also play a song from tom petty it's joe you're on rock school my name's joe i'm the Joe, I'm the CEO. I'm the man makes the big wheels roll. Coming out of Tom Petty, would you like to know what a 360 deal is? I would love to know. According to Rob Weil, it may be Wiley, it's W-I-L-E of a Business Insider article. It says, revenue growth of touring has grown 60% since 2000. That's good. Yes, it is. Of course it is. Why has it grown? Because people are paying more, right? Wrong. Because bands have to tour more. Mm. has nothing to do with the fact that people are paying more. It has to do with the fact that bands have to tour more. Okay. Why? There's no more revenue coming in from music. Yeah. Okay, fine. Unfortunately for artists, and I'm quoting here, industry heads have adjusted to deal with terms that have ever-increasing shares of the live pie. Okay, so what is a 360 deal? In the music industry, a 360 deal, and again, I'm reading this, a 360 deal is a business relationship between an artist and a music industry company. What it does is gives the artist and the music industry, i.e., I don't know, whoever's in charge of them, the publisher or what have you, whoever they write the deal yeah. with, it gives the company a percentage of an increasing number of their revenue streams. Remember, there's no more music. There's no more way for you or them to grab money from music. It used to be that the old statement was you either record music to tour or you tour to create music. Right. One fed the other. Well, one's dead. One's gone. So touring is the only way that's around. So if touring is the only way that you can make music, the companies now have to create a method 
to pull money from the touring. It's called a 360 deal. The revenue stream of touring and this 360 deal often includes sales of recorded music, which is, again, nothing. Yeah. Live performances, publishing, merchandising, mm-hmm. i.e. t-shirts and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Online sales and more. So what happens in a 360 deal is the company that signs the band sets up a deal that not only do they get the money from whatever you sell in terms of music, they get money from absolutely everything you do. My gosh, it sounds like an insurance company, like healthcare, like the middleman. Yeah, pretty much. It's not good. Yeah, that's the concept. So they take a piece of absolutely everything you do. But we've, we've done this before on the show. It's the concept of you have a brand new act. We'll sign anything. Just sign us. Just let us make our living as a band. And, mm. and you got it. We'll do it. We'll ride around in a tour bus. We'll do anything. And these 360 deals I have here, who they believe were the first 360 deals and that kind of thing. And we're going to talk about them just a little bit more. Um, however, the first 360 deals they believe were Motown. And I'll tell you why. They weren't called that back then. Yeah. But we're going to talk about what they believe, you know, grew out of that. And we'll tell you why they think, why I think, and why other people think the first 360 deals were probably Motown. I want to hear this. All right. What do you got to say? We got to play a song as I go back to my sheet here. How about Grand Funk Railroad? We're an American band, but it's all owned by somebody. Sounds like this on Rock School. Grand American Bands, Grand Funk Railroad. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, promotional pictures from Grand Funk. I with have. An American Band. Yes. They were naked. Yes, they Completely were. Completely naked. And you can also go online and see the pictures mm-hmm. that they wanted. Yeah. That nobody recorded. It was just them naked squatting down. Yeah. And there were the little Grand Funks just for everybody to see. Ew. <laughs> Come on. You know, I'm a guy and I don't even care about that stuff, but ew. I appreciate it. Come on. Something for the ladies. Ew. Gross. Hey, you know what? I did see a really, really bad movie the other night. What's that? I, I'm not going to tell you the name of it, but okay. it was it was so bad. But anyway, the girl was in the kitchen and she had a radio on. Right. And then they went into another room and there was another radio. And I started sure. laughing out loud. It was 1978 in the movie. And I thought... Oh, my gosh. That was exactly how I lived. People listened to the radio. I lived with the radio from the morning. You know, and and one had to be portable because guess what? In our household, we were going outside. The radio was going. We were going to be listening to some tunes. I made my living on the radio. You met me when I was a disc jockey. I was an afternoon disc jockey. Well, you know, when I saw that on TV... I started thinking, why did we walk away from listening to the radio? We I didn't. don't understand. We didn't. Radio walked away from us. Oh, come on now. You're, no, it's the complete honest to God truth. I, I, I'm not buying that. Well, it's the truth. I mean, whether you want to believe it or not is immaterial. It's the truth. 
It was the it was the concept. I'll do a radio. Sh- Would you like to do a full radio show on this? I'd be more than pleased to go on and rant about this. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Reagan's beginning of deregulation of radio ownership. Once other owners were allowed to uh, purchase multiple multiple radio stations in multiple multiple markets. If you go to Baton Rouge right now, there's only two owners. Yes, that's it. Two companies own every single radio yeah. station in Baton Rouge. You're, yeah, you're right about that. If you go to uh, New Orleans right mm-hmm. now, I believe there's only four owners in the entire on, New on Orleans dial. market. Yeah. That's it. So radio has become a concept of maximizing profit. That's it. So all of this is due to, you know, our, our leader, Ronald Reagan. Well, that's where it began. You can't really blame it all on him. Well, you can blame some of it on him. It wasn't I, all glory days. I certainly can. But what drove what drives me up a tree is when I was in radio before the Reagan deregulation, every radio station had an entire stable of disc jockeys who were putting on great shows. Yeah. And we went after a market. Any more radio has become this thing that doesn't want to offend you. It's a dis. It's it's a jukebox. It's a jukebox that sits there in the background. And here's my question: With Spotify, with Pandora, with your iPod, with your iPhone, why in the world would you listen to their jukebox, a radio jukebox, when you can listen to your own yeah. jukebox? It's it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I guess not. If radio would turn itself to become something that would listen to you that would play your requests, that would talk to you, that would have disc jockeys, a real disc jockey. Real person. Every day that was local. Yeah. That would begin dealing with things that you cared about, that would talk about local things, that would give a care about what you care about. It would own the market. It would own the market running away. But the problem is that means you have to employ a morning jock, a midday jock, a nighttime jock, an afternoon jock, and that costs money. So is this vintage thing, this vintage radio ever going to come back? No, because it costs costs too much money. If I own seven radio stations in one market, why in the world wouldn't I have a computer just play the music? And that allows me to maximize my profits. Want to do an entire show on that? I do. The problem is you might hear me say the F word right in the middle of the fire whole truck? darn thing. Fire truck? There's nothing thing. wrong with the word fire truck. KPVL Decorah, Iowa. Thanks for running the radio show. <laughs> yeah, XZY in Kane, PA. Get us on Facebook and make sure you visit our uh, website, kslu.org. Look for the Rock School little chalkboard on the right. Click on it and you get us. Back in a minute on Rock School. <laughs> Coming out of the first break, what's a 360 deal? Where did what it get started? Is it? 
According to Jeff Hansen, head of Silent Majority Group, the first 360 artist deal was created by Hansen, him as in Jeff Hansen, not the band Hansen. Not Mbop. Not Mbop with attorneys Jim Zumwalt and Ken Marcus and the partner uh, Jim Orville. It was submitted to Atlantic Records for the rock band Paramore. So there you go. Maybe it's that. However, a lot of people say that, no, maybe, maybe not. The first 360 deals were probably seen during Motown. It's just they weren't called 360 deals. What were they called? Well, they were just called simply a deal with Motown. Motown, when they got a band, they turned them into a can of soup. They did. They really did. They told the Supremes what to wear, how to walk, how to say hello, how to say goodbye, how to perform, how to everything. Barry Gordy, and you can yell at him for this. You can go on and on about, oh, what an awful person. But I got to tell you what, when the stable of Motown artists went out, oh, gosh. magnificently successful. Perfection. They performed the way it was expected of them, and they turned in a product yeah. that people wanted. And Barry Gordy paid them a salary to do what was expected and to represent the Motown label in a specific way. Right. Now, you can argue with me over whether that was actually a 360 deal or not. But, but you think it was? Barry Gordy took a piece of everything. Yeah, he did. He had no trouble taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but on the aspect of it, look at all the people who worked for Motown. Are they having any trouble meeting the bills? The problem was back in Motown days, you sold music. When the 45s went out, you and I went to the Five and Dime, yeah. and we blew a buck. Yes, we did. On a 45. You know why? Why is that? Because if you bought three, you got one free. That's true. That was always the thing, wasn't it? Beatles, baby, you're a rich man. Yes, you are here on Rock School. Okay, bottom of the hour here on Rock School. Why have 360 deals? I don't know. Why, why, why? Okay, dig these two numbers. Total revenues accounted for by recorded income have dropped 60% from 2000 just to 36% in 2013. Ouch. Ouch. Also, yet only 15% of all music listeners go to concerts. Oh, Did you my know that? Gosh. Out of 100 percent yes of all people who listen to music only 15 percent of them all go to concerts oh how about that now how is that possible the vast number of music listeners still get their music through recorded music so how has revenue dropped so hard here's the problem people don't buy their music anymore what do they do Well, the same way you get your radio. Yeah. You don't get your radio anymore via the radio. You don't turn on the radio. There's no music associated with the with the podcast that I listen to though. Of course there is. No, there isn't. I don't download I don't download any music. No, 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 no. You're then then you're a fogey. 
you're a complete fogey. You don't listen to Spotify. You don't listen to Pandora. You don't listen to downloads. No, I don't listen to any of those things. Okay, then you're a fogey. You don't understand it completely. You're, you're missing out on the concept of I can get music for free completely there's literally no money coming back from creating new music and working at a radio station and again i i don't work at the radio station i come in and do this show but since i did radio for so long i i spend a lot of time at the radio station Mm -hmm. and the gentleman who runs the radio station todd i know him very well and i have the utmost respect for him I mean, Todd really knows what he's doing. Right. He's one of the old-time radio guys, and he is truly of the old thought process. Every day, not just every week, every day, he is inundated probably with 25 new albums. Oh, man. Not songs. 25 new albums. And that's just what I see on his desk. I mean, there's a pile wow. of new music. And you think to yourself, now, come on, Joe, stop it. Yeah. The, 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 you know, the majors, EMI, Sony, they're not putting out that much music. No, they can't You're be. You're right. They're not. Who is it? But the thing about, think about it. D- you suggested last week that I was putting out an album. Well, right? you are, but right. yeah, but yours is free. Right. But the thing about it is, how did I do it? In your, our, own, in your own basement. In my own basement. That's what he's up against. EMI puts out this, but then you got how many people who have GarageBand or who have Reaper or who have whatever. And all you got to do is contact Disc Makers. And the next thing you know, you got 200 albums. Wow. Kablooski. And they want it played just as much as anybody else wants it played. Mm. So there. And we're going to talk about just a second about a rap producer who, in my opinion, hits it on the head about what music's about. But first, boy, this is going to be a long break. Seven days and 70 seconds. These are the rock and roll dates. September 28th all the way through October 4th. And I believe you have Monday, my loving wife. Do it. September 28th, 2000, Bab Streisand sings her farewell concert at New York's Madison Square Garden. Yeah, liar. She's out there touring now. (laughs) September 29th, 1956, RCA Victor Company announces that it has received over 856,000 advanced orders for Elvis Presley's next single, Love Me Tender, which no one heard at the time. Mm, September 30th, 1971, Yes kicks off their first tour with new keyboardist Rick Wakeman in England. October 1, 1966, Noel Redding auditions for Jimi Hendrix, who hires him, along with drummer Mitch Mitchell, who has recently been fired from George Fame and the Blue Flames, the trio form. The Jimi Hendrix Experience. October 2nd, 68, Motown Records files a $4 million lawsuit against the songwriting team of Hollander, Dozier Holland. Did I say Hollander? Actually, it's Holland, Dozier Holland, for failing to write any new material for the company for the past year. Did it on purpose. October 3, 1981, Billy Joel releases the first digitally recorded live album, Songs in the Attic. And finally, October 4, 1973, the BBC broadcasts the 500th edition of The Rock and Roll Show, Top of the Pops. And that wraps up seven days in 70 seconds. Okay, 
What's the problem here? A rap producer who wished not to be named probably hit it on the head. Now, I'm guessing if he wished not to be named, this is really somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't know who it is, but my guess is it's somebody that if you heard the name, bingo, you'd know it. Music no longer has intrinsic value. He says three things. Number one, anyone can do it. Yes. I'm a 50-year-old, 51 now. I'm a 51-year-old guy, and I recorded an entire 13-song set. Right. Now, 12's only on the album, but an entire 13-song set with a Yamaha board, an SM58 microphone, a guitar, and And a whole lot of luck. And a whole lot of luck. Did the whole thing. Mm -hmm. There you go. Anyone can do it. Number two, there is a belief system in the world today, I should get all music for free. It should just come to my phone, period. And you say to yourself, oh, God, how horrible are these people? They're not horrible. They're they're normal thinking human beings, but streaming has been made available to them. They're not horrible. They're thinking human beings. Streaming is free. You get Pandora, what, for 40 hours? You get Pandora or you get, uh, was it Spotify for X number of hours? They're not They're not horrible. Don't make it free if you don't want it for free. That's true. Number three, you're a rock star, so you're rich. Give me your music. That one I don't agree with. And we're going to talk about Taylor Swift and her little thing Mm -hmm. about Apple Music. But according to this guy, this rap producer, he's right. He's 100% right. Music anymore has zero intrinsic value do you know why i give away the podcast of this show Mm. because it has zero intrinsic value if if i give it away for free people will listen to it if you charge no one's gonna listen no one would care why because there's 11 jillion podcasts there really are and i've listened to most of them yep I get about somewhere between twelve and uh, ten and twelve thousand listens per week, because I'm free. If I charged, I would get about I don't know my mom. <laughs> That's it. <gasps> Gotta play a song here on Rock School. Wow, that was a long break. Oh, you do have to learn to shut up. And I do sound like a very mean person this week. And I don't mean to. You can't help it. I don't mean to. I do have another question as we start our second break, though. Do you remember when Apple was going to give people a free trial of their streaming music service and Taylor Swift wrote them a big giant letter and complained that they weren't going to pay her. And then she said, oh, and other people during their 30-day free trial, when in reality she meant her. Yes, I do. Right. The power of Taylor. Here's my question. Mm -hmm. Back during the Napster concerns, Lars Ulrich sat before Congress. Yes, he did. And made the statement to Congress, look, these kids are using Napster, which was a peer-to-peer program, Mm -hmm. which allowed anyone who decided to digitize any song, not even a, a Metallica song, but they were stealing music. There's they no were. two ways about it. That's they were right. all stealing music. So Lars Ulrich went before Congress 
And he was roundly criticized, isn't even a nice word for it, yeah. isn't even the correct word. He was turned into a caricature. He, he was, was turned into a horrible human being. Please explain to me what the difference is between Taylor Swift screaming for her money and Lars Ulrich screaming for his money Yet Lars was turned into a demon, and Taylor Swift, everyone said, oh, God, isn't she bless wonderful? Her oh, bless her heart. Aww, she's so pretty. She's so cute. Explain to me what the difference was. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, know either. And he, like, laid the groundwork for the whole thing. The problem was he was right. Yeah, he was. And I know what people are going to say. Well, you know, finally he was found to be right all those years later. Well, that's very nice. The problem was he had to go through all of that slog Mm -hmm. for all those years. And that's not right. You want to shake it off? Oh, please. WMCE, Erie, Pennsylvania. Actually, a very nice town. I used to drive through Erie all the time going back to college from my hometown of Cleveland, uh, Ohio. What do you got over there? I got WRFY in Sandpoint, Idaho. Let me hit the website one more time. We don't press this enough, but I want to start doing it. KSLU.org. Click on the Rock School little chalkboard. Go see us. I post a lot of neat little things there, and I want people to go and listen to all the lectures that I do, and I want to see have them see pictures of my pretty wife. All right, back in a minute here on Rock School. Coming out of the second break, and this will be our last break here on Rock School, Mark Hogan wrote a very nice piece called Is Transparency the Music Industry's Next Battle? Now, we talked about this, was it two shows ago, three Mm -hmm. shows ago, in the copyright discussion? Yes. A new report released by the Berkeley College of Music's Institute for Creative Entrepreneurship details what it calls a lack of transparency in the music industry. Well, of course it is. It's like our tax code. The more difficult you make it, the more easy it is to slip in little ways to grab a little bit of money here and a little bit of money there. What do they say? A million here and a million there. Sooner or later, it adds up to real money. It's a big old house. Okay. The report that uh, Mark Hogan was writing about calls for a creator's bill of rights. The purpose of the bill of rights is to show... The concept of how money moves around in the music industry. Yeah. I did a, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but they did a speech on uh, streaming music. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't give people the percentages or the amounts of money on how artists were paid by Pandora and Spotify. Because you don't know. Nobody knows. Yeah. It's done in a black box. Is it any of our business? It It's not our business, but it is the business of the people who work in the industry. I agree with that. Because they have to know what they're being paid. Because but, out of the clear blue sky, you get a check for $50. You should be able to legally say to the people who are paying you, excuse me, why is this only for $50? Right. Us, the public... It's none of our business. No. But you should be able to, as an artist, say, no, wait a minute. How was this check 
generated. Yes. How did that happen? The purpose, again, is to create transparency, which Casey Ray, CEO of the Artists Advocacy Nonprofit Future of Music Coalition, says in an email, will be the next big fight. Berkeley's Rethink Music Initiative has scheduled a public event to be uh, part of Boston's October 2nd Thoughts of Music conference. And hopefully they will talk about the transparency of music. That word is so overused. Transparency? Oh, I hate it. Well, it's it's the correct idea. And hopefully they'll be able to force. And again, this is also something that's inside of that 245-page document that we talked about, again, two or three shows mm-hmm. back, that you can't, as a business, it seems that in music you're allowed to, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, a, Hornswoggle. Fuzzy the math. Fuzzy math. The yeah. people that work for you and everyone just goes, oh, well, that's just the music you're industry. You're going to get paid. What are you going to get paid in the music industry that's right not, now? But that's not the way it is. If I go to work for a, a company like, I don't know, 7-Eleven, if I'm working the counter. Right. You get a, a W-2. Hey, I'm And the W-2. You. Is it broken to, down? To the penny. No. Shows me what I'm being paid. You mean a guy that works the counter at 7-Eleven has a better idea to the penny of what he's being paid than a guy who works for EMI Records? Apparently he does right now. Come, come, gentlemen. That's not correct. All right. We'll finish up on uh, on this one. Life's been good to me. It's Joe Walsh. So I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Okay, that's the second one we've done in about four shows that's really been a downer. Next week, we've got to make a happy show. What's wrong with you, man? It, a lot of things, but uh, medication is not working. I'm Joe Burns. You are? Again, I am Tammy Burns. That'll do it. Class is dismissed.